This dude who looks like he's running his fifth game in a row at Lifetime Fitness. Frankly, I have absolutely no idea who Grand Canyon's best player is, nor am I going to look it up. That guy obviously saying something he's never done before. I got no idea what I'm doing right now. What's happening, everybody? Open mic back on your radio, cell phone, whatever the hell you're listening on. Hey, took last week off because it was, you know, the Super Bowl for uh, for amateur golfers worldwide, the Elk and Moose Classic. And yes, that is definitely the uh, trip with most of my college buddies that we go on every single year. And while this show is going to be 95% dedicated to the U.S. Open, which begins uh, tomorrow, Thursday, depending on what day you're listening to this, uh, I am shamelessly going to say I made a hole-in-one this week, and it was awesome. It was the very first of my career, and I hope that for all of you who are golfers, if you get to experience that feeling... I hope that you get to do it with your best friends in the world there with you because I had, you know, most of my best friends in the t- in the entire world either with me or in the group ahead of me or the group behind me and uh, you know, for a weekend in which individually I went 0 and 4 uh, in my matches to close it with a hole in one. Absolutely awesome. All right, US Open. Uh, it returns to Tory Pines. Anything happened there the last time they played the US Open? Oh, that's right. Only probably the most dramatic moment in uh, in Tiger Woods' career. Can we call it that? The putt that uh, forced an 18-hole playoff with Rocco Mediate. I know that the USGA has since gone away from the 18-hole playoff, but I can remember being in Jupiter uh, on summer break with you know my three best friends. We had uh, just graduated high school. Three of us played baseball, myself included. One of us ran track, so... Got to see some of that the day after. I know they've scrapped it since then, but really, it's a U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, so we're expecting some drama here. Uh, Tiger not playing in this one, obviously. Still uh, recovering from the leg injury and the car accident that uh, happened in Los Angeles earlier this year. But most everyone else who's anyone in the game of golf is there. And I think when you're looking at the the betting favorites and who you want to start with when you talk about who's going to who's going to really contend for this U.S. Open, I think the conversation has to start with John Rahm. So Rahm coming off the forced withdrawal at the Memorial after he tied the 54-hole scoring record, he would have needed to shoot like 75 on Sunday in order to lose that tournament that Patrick Cantlay eventually beat uh, Colin Morikawa in a playoff. And that wasn't going to happen. Obviously, if you're tying the 54-hole scoring record, you're probably not going to then go out on Sunday and and fire 75 when you're one of the best players in the world. And Rahm is one of the best players in the world. And if the proverbial chip on the shoulder exists, then Rahm is entering this U.S. Open with the large... I mean, he's got a boulder on his shoulder after what happened at Jack's place. And you couple that with his history... At Torrey Pines, he got his first win there in 2017 with a near impossible putt down the slope on the par 518th that simply that putt doesn't go in. So you add that with the fact that, you know, in 2020, he finished second in the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. And this year he tied for seventh in 2021. And, and really 
The only reason he tied for seventh this year is because he played out of a fairway bunker on 18 and made an awful decision to try and go for the green to catch the leader. It didn't work, but you know, Rom is the betting favorite. Rom is my favorite. I'll make a pick at the end, but John Rom is, is playing some of the best golf of his career. First and foremost, he's never won a major. He's very familiar with the area and he just checks a lot of boxes. So it's no surprise. You're going to see a lot of people pick John Rom this week. Now, picking him and him going out and actually winning are, are two very different things. He's a guy who I think most who watch the game associate with a short temper, and that's changed a little bit over the years, but it hasn't changed all that much. I mean, he's still fiery out there, and the U.S. Open is not an event where you can lose your cool. So I think if he can rein it in, uh, we could be talking about John Rahm next week for sure. Now, the U.S. Open has yielded, I went back and looked, four of the last five champions were first-time major winners. The one exception being Brooks Kepka, who repeated in 17 and 18. So, you know, when you think about guys who haven't won a major, who could potentially do it this week, you know, we just mentioned Rom. He doesn't have one. The other one, to me, that jumps off the page, and I feel like I say this for every major, is, is Xander Shoffley. And Shoffley, another guy, from the area, knows the course incredibly well, played college at San Diego State. His last five tournaments, he has no finish worse than tied for 14th, but he did miss the cut at the PGA Championship. So how do you evaluate Xander? Well, he went third place at the Masters and then misses the cut at the PGA. He's a gamer. He's proven that before. He was second in the Farmers Insurance Open this year to Patrick Reed. And if you're going to hear me reference that Farmers Insurance Open a lot, if you don't know what that is, that's of course the, the PGA Tour event that is uh, that is at Torrey Pines most every year. And now the first two days are split up normally, South and North course. Obviously the U.S. Open will be entirely on the South. But Shoffley's a guy who just feels like he's so close to the verge of, of breaking through. And it doesn't seem like there's a more fitting venue for that to happen than at Torrey Pines, a lot like Rom. So I don't think it would shock anybody if those two guys are coming down the stretch on Sunday with a chance to lift that U.S. Open trophy, the most boring trophy in all of golf, in my opinion. I remember when I was at Syracuse, we had, uh, in school, we had to do our, you know, like a our editorial, basically something that, you know, we didn't like in sports that we could change. And you just, you know, imagine a a 55 second newspaper column on television. And mine was, you know, the U S open trophy golf has the green jacket. It has the claret jug. It has the Wanamaker trophy. And we have the U S open trophy. How about the Payne Stewart trophy? That's what I said then when I was like 2013 or 14. I mean, Payne Stewart would be a perfect name for that trophy. Anyway, I digress. So, you know, if it's Shoffley, if it's Rahm, a couple other guys who haven't won majors that have have played well lately, certainly Patrick Cantlay, California kid, went to UCLA. I know that's not in San Diego, but seventh in the world, I think. He's he's played really good lately, coming off a win. Wouldn't shock anybody if Cantlay's there, but again, you just never know about those first-time major winners. Who's going to break through it and get out of that group? And who's going to stay in that group for years to come until they have a Sergio Garcia moment late in their career? Watch out for Garcia, too. He's playing well. Anyway, defending champion Bryson DeChambeau. Might have heard about him (laughs) lately. 
goodness gracious, the feud with Brooks Kapka. Can we put an end to it already? I've just had enough of it. Enough of it's great for golf. Enough of it. Fine. Golf's in a fine spot, people. They don't need two of their biggest stars bickering over and over. It was cute in the beginning. I'm just done with it. And then, you know, earlier this week, Brad Faxon, who is a, you know, a very, very good former player, does not appear to have all that much inside information when it comes to anything involving Brooks Kepka, because right before the Masters, it was Faxon who was saying that Kepka's knee was going to keep him out for like half a year. Well, I don't know. Brooks looks all right to me. And then earlier this week, he says that Bryson was asked to play in a pairing with Kepka and declined, which is just outrageous on the surface when you think about it. Why would the USGA ever ask a player before doing that? Let alone the defending U.S. Open champion who normally plays in a pairing with the U.S. Amateur champion and another major champion, which is what's happening this year when he joins Hideki Matsuyama and Tyler Strafacci, who won that excellent U.S. Amateur uh, at Bandon Dunes. So, you know, for someone to come out and say that that Bryson is declining to play with Kepka, all that does is is inform ignorant fans who won't do the research who are then going to show up to the event and make it worse for Bryson. And obviously there is nobody who is without fault in this situation. Let's not throw stones in a glass house here. Bryson has brought it upon himself just like Kepka has. But I'm just I'm just ready to be done with it. And for Bryson or for Brooks, the best way to shut everyone up is to win. And you're talking about a guy in DeChambeau who is the defending champion at a course with a lot of history, like Tory, has gone now on record and said that his strategy in Mamoranic at Winged Foot is going to be the same that he employs at Tory, and that's bombs away and gouge it out of the rough. And has proven that that strategy works for him at U.S. Opens. So if it works again, then he wins the fake argument. And then you're talking about a guy like Brooks Kepka who is fighting injury, maybe. But the results in majors just continue to pile up. I know not great at Augusta this year, but who can really evaluate his performance coming off knee surgery that quickly? I think we saw the true Brooks Kepka at Kiowa, and I'd expect to see the true Brooks Kepka at Torrey because he knows, and I'm sure Bryson does too. First guy to get a major out of that group of those two people is going to be the winner of this silly fake argument about I don't know what. But anyway, when you talk Brooks, you tend to navigate the conversation, although now towards the Shambo, but certainly before that towards Dustin Johnson. And DJ has not had the form in majors since his win at the Masters. Missed the cut at Augusta this year. Missed the cut at Kiowa. First world number one since Greg Norman to do that. With that being missing the cut at back-to-back majors. So, can Johnson find it? Better last week in his home state of South Carolina. Certainly has the game. Um, You know, I think when you talk about Torrey... You think of guys who can cut the ball. It's a visually appealing course to those who move the ball from left to right. And Johnson does that. 
another guy who does that is we're going to kind of transition now into to more of of the randoms that I would pay attention to is Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland would be an incredibly random winner. Now he has won the U.S. Open before 2019 at Pebble. He has not played great lately at all. He missed the cut at the Memorial. You know, he's played in the Farmers Insurance Open a lot in his career. He only has two top tens. So if you're looking for an off the wall pick that, you know, maybe can surprise some people this weekend, I'd look at Gary Woodland. I'd look at Louis Oosthuizen, uh, who is probably not off the wall because Louis Oosthuizen is Brooks Kepka in terms of the way he performs at majors. The difference is, of course, Kepka has far more wins. Louis got plenty of seconds. He's got that one open championship at St. Andrews, and you know Torrey Pines is a course, and the U.S. Open is an event where you're going to need to make putts inside of 10 feet to save yourself some strokes. And Oosthuizen, I believe, is the best on tour inside 10 feet. So I'd look at Louie, and then there's a name who I, you know, I just, I've, I've watched live from the U.S. Open most of this week. I just have not heard a lot of talk about Patrick Reed. And I really don't understand why. Because Reed won at Torrey earlier this year. That was, you know, all the talk about was his ball embedded, and, and did he break the rules there, and what came of that? Well, what came of that was he won. He is a major champion. He is someone who loves the crowd, does not care what people think about him, and has no finish worse than 23rd in his last four events at this venue. Now, I think anytime you're going to call the previous results at a venue into play and use them as a tool for analyzing the potential behind someone's finish, you have to recognize first that the tournament is not going to be the same. The pins may be similar, but the green should be faster. The rough will be longer. It's the U.S. Open, not the Farmers Insurance Open. So while Patrick Reed won there earlier this year, I don't think that necessarily means that he is then a big-time favorite this week. But I think that, you know, if you have confidence somewhere because you've won there before, you're just more likely to win there again. I mean, we've seen that so many times. Take a look at the Memorial. John Rahm, coming off a win there last year, was going to win this year. Why can't it be the same for Reed? Different kind of event. Obviously, the Memorial set up similar every single year. U.S. Open will be different than the Farmers Insurance Open, but watch out for Reed. Uh, it's a Ryder Cup year, and I know that he's you know where he needs to be to be on that team. But Captain America, the U.S. Open, you just never know. Haven't talked a lot about Jordan Spieth. You know, I think always a threat. Um, you know, the ankle injury, whatever that is, you know, we'll probably never get the full extent, no matter what he tells the media. But if his ankle is okay, you know, Jordan Spieth a threat. McElroy, another guy. Uh, really solid finishes at Torrey in the recent past. A top three, I think, a couple of years ago when when Leishman held off Rahm in 20 on the day that Kobe died. That man. I remember picking Mark Leishman in my pool that week, and uh, I didn't watch you know more than four shots of his final round because obviously the world stopped. But the the last person, and I'm sure you guessed, this is where we were going to end with the U.S. Open uh, to talk about is Phil Mickelson, and Mickelson is coming off uh, a PGA Championship victory. Uh, followed that up with a miscut, but you know whatever. 
Um, as he said, he had the Wanamaker, so who really cares? Uh, Mickelson, a San Diego guy. It's almost too romantic at this point for me with Phil. You know, you look at, you know, the course, the fact that, you know, the U.S. Open second place finishes throughout his career. You know, he could become the sixth player ever to get that career Grand Slam. Every time that Jordan Spieth plays in the PGA, we talk about, well, maybe he can get the career Grand Slam. Every time McElroy plays in the Masters, can he get the career Grand Slam? That conversation begins uh, probably with Arnold Palmer in the PGA Championship, but for our generation, for my generation, that conversation begins and ends with Phil Mickelson. Because heartbreak uh, has happened so many times to Phil over his career in this event that you have to uh, you have to just feel bad for him. All the second place finishes. It is the only thing that he has not accomplished in his career is the U.S. Open. And for it to happen in San Diego at Torrey Pines, of course, he's played so many times. It just, it, it makes too much sense for me. It makes too much sense for me, which leads me to believe that Phil is not going to perform well this week. And no one picked him at Kiowa to perform well. So it's not like I'm going out on a limb by saying that. But, you know, in 2011, Mickelson went second in the Farmers Insurance Open. And he does not have a finish better than 14th since then in the now 10 years that have followed. And he hasn't played every year, but still. He's missed three of his last seven cuts at Torrey. He was 18th in the U.S. Open in 2008. And I just think that there is no element of surprise. It's not like Phil Mickelson was going to surprise anyone anyway. But if he were, that is now gone. And for Mickelson, who... I have gone on record several times talking about the importance of playing in the Ryder Cup for him. He knows that Steve Stricker's watching. He knows that the vice captains, Davis Love III, is watching. And those guys have said, you know, after the PGA that if they were picking the team, then he'd be on it, which is a mistake, period, flat out. He needs to earn his way. He has a chance to earn his way with another high finish this weekend. But when you put that in perspective, along with the fact that he's in his hometown, going for the tournament that has evaded him throughout his career, I think it's just too much to ask. I can't wait to watch it. I, you know, it's it's the national championship. I, I always say, what's my favorite major? The next one. The U.S. Open's next. It begins tomorrow. It begins Thursday. Whenever you're listening, enjoy it, everybody. My pick. I promised it. I'll go John Rahm. I was dead wrong at the PGA. Look forward to being dead wrong again. Open mic. Great talk, everybody. See you out there.